Hi, and welcome to the Fertility Warriors podcast. I'm Robin Birkin, and I am so grateful and honoured that you're here today. From my own journey with infertility and loss to becoming a mind-body practitioner and holistic fertility coach, it is my sincere hope that I can help make your journey to conceive lighter, more supported, and easier by sharing deep emotional well-being guidance doable conception tips, and real talk about what infertility and loss looks like. I'm here with you every step of the way. Now let's begin. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Fertility Warriors. It's my pleasure today to welcome a fellow West Australian, uh, although Jackie still lives like a good, decent plane ride away in Karatha, which is basically up in the north of Western Australia. She's a naturopath, but it's my pleasure today to welcome Jackie Lamplew to the podcast. Hi. Hi, Robin. Thank you so much for inviting me to come along. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Yay. And so we're kind of united in that we feel that sometimes there's some tests that could be beneficial for fertility warriors that our specialists don't run. Sometimes they might run it down the line. Sometimes they just will laugh you out of the clinic and that's not right. I wanted to bring you on today because one of the things that I always say to fertility warriors is that your fertility specialist is a specialist in medications and surgeries. Not always in holistic health. They don't always receive a lot of training in like nutrition and things like that. And sometimes we need to look outside the box and just get a different perspective from someone who comes at health and fertility from with a different set of eyes and a different set of priorities and specialties, like a naturopath. <laughs> And I saw a naturopath on my fertility journey. It was, it, I actually felt like my naturopath, there wasn't fertility groups. There wasn't Instagram pages or anything like that. And she was a, a real source of even just emotional support and camaraderie on my fertility journey. So can you tell us a little bit about how you came to be a naturopath, what you feel is the secret source of a naturopath um, and I guess just what you do on a day-to-day basis and what you focus on through your practice? Yeah, sure. So I came about being a naturopath quite young and kind of stepping into that hormone realm quite young as well. I was about 18 when I I picked up a book um, called Natural Fertility by Francesca Nash. You may have heard of it. And I read that book as an 18-year-old and I was like, (laughs) wow, Um, I was studying agriculture at the time and I dropped out of ag and I'm like, I'm going to be a naturopath and I'm going to focus on women's hormones. I think I was just so going through high school, just seeing other my friends having painful periods or heavy periods and being put on the pill. And I'm just like, why are there periods like that? But mine are, you know, so-called perfect, normal, regular um, and then learning that diet nutrition can all have an impact on that. I was like, I was sold. That was me done. And, and, my, and my teacher's not talking about this at all. Yeah. Who, no one told me this in sex ed. Like, where did this come from? So, yeah, I was kind of hooked at quite a young age. And then obviously just started to study naturopathy and just specialised in and women's hormones and fertility um, from, from the start. And so, yeah, here I am, I don't know, 
10, 15 years on, um, still so, so passionate about fertility and women's hormones and our health and how we mm. prep for a, a pregnancy. So I, yeah, specialise in women's health and natural fertility. So work with a lot of couples who are trying to fall pregnant naturally um, and also supporting couples who are going through IVF or um, more medical-based fertility treatment plans. And can I just ask this question? So we'll talk at the end about if people want to work with you and find out about you, but do you, like, I get a bit confused with the different modalities out there and, you know, like psychologists can only kind of practice in the state that they're registered in. Do you have clients only in Australia or do you have clients globally? I do have clients globally. The majority of my clients are in Australia, but um, yes, with okay. my registration, yeah, absolutely okay. I can. Okay. Let's dive straight into the meat and potatoes. What are some of the tests that you feel are essential for fertility from your perspective just aren't commonly run yeah sure there's quite a few how long do we have today but, uh, <laughs> 45 minutes so keep it snappy no, I'm just kidding we've <laughs> got as long as you need <laughs> yeah so I, I find um these days especially when people are seeing their you know GP or their you know fertility doctors for fertility um We've got the basics of iron, vitamin D and our hormones quite down pack. You know, that that happens, we get them tested. And, and how many women kind of come to me and say, oh, you know, my doctor's tested all my um, bloods and everything's come back normal. So, you know, why am I not falling pregnant? But there's so much more to getting pregnant than just our hormones. And I think traditionally we've just focused on estrogen, progesterone, if you're ovulating what you're going to get pregnant. But... Fertility is really a holistic approach and that's how I like to um, look at it. So we were just talking just before about DNA fragmentation. Mm -hmm. male So my specialist ran a DNA fragmentation test and I first I've become aware. So a DNA fragmentation test is basically to check whether the DNA of the sperm is like how fucked up, what, what percentage of them are fucked up, right? So for anyone who's like, what is this test? That's what it is. What percentage of your sperm are like just the DNA is messed up? The, the, the body's tried to like pack all this DNA in and it's just not packed it up right. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, and I just assumed for su- the longest time, that every specialist was just running these tests. And it was literally maybe a year or two years ago that one of our clients in the Fertility Warrior Intensive who'd been a client, like, so I teach predominantly the mindset, the brain stuff, but I can still talk to people about just as a friend, just as a fellow Fertility Warrior. like, And I'm, I'm the person who can say to you, go, go and get, go and see someone to get that tested. I'm like the cheerleader who says, go and get that tested. Really? Let's jam on this. Uh, and I can talk about how to make like sustainable lifestyle choices, but I'm not the person who can prescribe anything. So anyway, we get down the line and she's seen a naturopath. Amazing. Great. But she goes, and they picked up that my, you know, we just had never had a DNA fragmentation test. And I was like, what? That's not a test that is run. 
not everyone's running that. Then I, you know, we I speak to fertility specialists in the United States and Canada. And they're like, we don't run that test. Then I have people who are like, yeah, I got laughed out of the office for that test. And so, and then I've got good friends who are fertility specialists in the United States. And they're like, look, the research on a DNA fragmentation test is like, some research says it has an impact and then there's other research that says it doesn't. But my common sense is like, well, if the DNA, my just common sense, right? The, my common sense says that if the DNA is mashed up on such a huge proportion of your sperm, surely that's going to point to, from a logic perspective, like either recurrent loss or loss or not being able to get pregnant like it just I don't know what are you so talk talk to us from a different perspective what's your take on this particular test well I'm like I'm a big believer in DNA fragmentation and some of the reason why I don't think it gets run by maybe GPs or particularly fertility specialists because if it comes back abnormal what are they going to do about it like do there's no drug that's going to fix dna frag it's more diet lifestyle nutritional so sometimes that's maybe some of the reason it's not being run because they don't have the tools to correct it if it comes back normal so yeah yeah dna fragmentation in my point of view is really important and it's not run like you know getting a semen panel done um it's not kind of routine in a semen panel. Like you've got to ask for it on top. And the research that I've kind of come across shows that DNA fragmentation is actually more significant predictor of male fertility than our traditional parameters of motility count and morphology. And that men who have a normal semen analysis can actually have quite bad DNA fragmentation. Mm. So just judging a semen analysis panel um, and whether and seeing then whether DNA fragmentation should be done is not good enough mm. because yeah. it could absolutely be normal, yet you've got DNA frag. So and the issue with that is, you know, we all know that men contribute 50% of the genetic material to that baby. So yeah. they are half of the equation and we know that um, some that men with higher DNA fragmentation issues or sperm quality issues um, there is a link with that and um, poor embryo development miscarriage infertility those kind of things so because men do contribute to half of the, the mm -hmm. fertility equation we need to be addressing their fertility really from the start as well it's not, you know, six, 12 yeah. months, three years down the track before we're actually really looking at male fertility and, and DNA fragmentation in general. And even when we experience pregnancy loss, I think there's this huge perception that something to do with the female and the eggs and implantation, but actually just as much of a contributing factor, like in terms of the male side of the equation as the female side yeah. of the equation and I guess that comes back to a little bit to what we were talking about at the start your doctor is trained in like what medications can I use to help this or what surgeries can I use and 
I, maybe that's sometimes where like there's a bit of a disconnect and why sometimes you know I'm such an advocate to ha- of having multiple people on your team who come to at things from different angles especially when you're dealing with things like unexplained infertility because different people have different goals different perspectives so you're coming at things from more of a lifestyle and diet perspective yeah yeah and taking a real holistic approach at fertility too because when we kind of talk through some of these other tests that we're missing you know I want to see inflammatory levels within the body I want to see are there autoimmune conditions going on what are blood sugar levels and insulin levels doing you know all these factors that we don't traditionally associate with our reproduction but they have a huge impact on our reproductive and and no longer um is our fertility just considered about hormones? It's really, you know, blood sugars is linked in there, autoimmune's linked in there. There's so many different aspects on um, getting pregnant these days. And I think, yeah, if you if you've been diagnosed with unexplained infertility, you just haven't had enough testing done to find out why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always look at if you just do a Google image search of the endocrine system. I'm always like, my ads all connected. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is everything's like all like in there together working in the like you know lines everywhere connecting everything Um, so what are some of the other tests that or maybe we've had some initial tests but they haven't necessarily run like the whole picture of that thing I'm thinking like thyroid iron studies and stuff like that Thyroid is a big one um absolutely and it's a, a bugbear of mine but traditionally you'll get a TSH and maybe a T4 if you're lucky test done and and you'll kind of be sent on your way you know everything's fine how many people have had all the symptoms of thyroid issues and but their doctor says it's fine and judging the thyroid just by TSH is like judging a book by its cover you don't have a good understanding of what's going on because TSH is just the brain's ability to talk to the thyroid gland that's it um so with that with thyroid testing there's really two elements to it there's the thyroid hormones themselves of the tsh the t4 and the t3 which is very very important and making sure we forget a lot about t3 um, in blood tests and doctors are quite resistant to running it but t3 is the most active thyroid hormone within the body and the egg and the ovary all have thyroid receptors so they need these hormones in order to function and if your tsh and your t4 are normal but your t3 is out then you'll have all the symptoms of thyroid issues but the doctor or whoever's reading your blood test will say oh that's fine that's fine that's fine but actually t3 is not fine um and that's usually just a nutritional deficiency if your t3 Mm. is low it's fairly simple to correct um in that instance the other thing with the thyroid is that studies show that women who have a tsh of more than 2.5 are at a higher risk of um, miscarriage uh, or not even a pregnancy being established so we really want to look for a tsh level that is below 2.5 when trying to conceive um, above 2.5 and 4 is what they call subclinical hypothyroid and um, isn't always acknowledged so make sure if you're getting your thyroid tested that you ask to see the results because someone can tell you they're fine but if it's over 2.5 it's not fine <laughs> when there's thyroid hormone issues 
you'll see issues with ovulation, um, irregular menstruation and progesterone. So progesterone deficiency can be a sign of thyroid hormone deficiencies. Yeah. And I think, it, you know, the number one advice I have for anyone at a fertility clinic, get a printout of your results. Yes. like just Because then you just can see with your own eyes. And sometimes, like, the cool thing about printout or what the blood test people <laughs> do is that they've often got, like, in brackets, the range. But sometimes it's always good to be able to see with your own eyes what your results are and no one should be no one should be hiding that or not giving that to you because that's your body and your blood test results yeah are there any other big tests yeah that we're missing um thyroid antibodies is a big one Mm, a really big one now i see a lot of thyroid antibodies in my fertility clients i think i have about 60 percent of my clients who have thyroid antibodies so it's a it's a big one um and they're only usually run if there's an issue with TSH. Okay, so if TSH is within the, the range, then they won't run thyroid antibodies. But 79% of women who tested positive for thyroid antibodies had a normal TSH. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge chunk of women who are not being properly diagnosed. Now, the issue with thyroid antibodies, they don't really affect ovulation and progesterone levels like the thyroid hormones they impact endometrial receptivity so how receptive is the endometrial lining to having that egg come and implant in it Um, studies show that women who have positive um, thyroid antibodies despite what their tsh is doing so their tsh could be normal but they've got thyroid antibodies have a two to four fold increase in miscarriage Mm -hmm. so if you are struggling to fall pregnant having implantation failure or have had a miscarriage, then making sure you're getting your thyroid antibodies tested is really, really important because that can be sometimes the missing link on what's going on um, within the body. Um, Kind of coming on from thyroid antibodies and then looking more into the inflammatory component within the body as well is important to just assess what inflammation is doing inflammation is like a fire burning within the body so if you've got this fire raging it's going to affect egg quality it's going to make the endometrial lining really hostile no egg's going to want to implant into it so and testing for inflammation within the body is so simple c-reactive protein and urethrocyte sedimentation rate are such simple, cheap blood tests that can be done on any day of the cycle. Yeah. And I think that um, there's a high correlation of women who have PCOS that also have high inflammation. Uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And and we'll kind of chat a little bit about that when we talk more on um, blood sugars as well. But the the studies do show that women who have elevated C-reactive protein are more likely to experience a first trimester miscarriage because, again, it's just impacting on the quality of that implantation of the embryo. Another kind of link in with um, inflammation is homocysteine, which is an inflammatory marker often used in cardiovascular health. But the reason that I test homocysteine in women is because it can give you an indication on how effectively you're using your 
B vitamins, because if homocysteine levels are high, we've got an issue with B vitamins. Either you're not absorbing or getting enough, maybe you're getting the wrong form for your body. And homocysteine can also be linked in with a genetic mutation as MTHFR. Okay. Yeah. So I will always run MTHFR despite a homocysteine um, level, but definitely if there's an issue with homocysteine, MTHFR must be ran. Um, but MTHFR is just a genetic mutation found in 50% of the population to some degree. So it's really, really quite common. Um, and it affects our ability to be able to activate our folate and use folate within our body. Um, in a process called methylation, which is incredibly important anytime you need to make DNA. Mm -hmm. So egg and sperm, MTHFR plays a very important role. And a lot of people can go their whole life without knowing they've got this mutation until it comes to trying to conceive. And that's yep. when they, they see that issue. So, And I think people are getting a bit better educated at MTFHR and that's why so many people are always screaming from the rooftops like, look for a prenatal supplement that has like folate rather than folic acid. Um, so I think people are getting better at that, but not def like I've never heard of uh, homeocysteine yeah. as a test. Um, and so then in terms of like insulin and blood sugar levels, is that, do people do like, can you, determine whether someone has PCOS without running that or are there conditions that are outside of PCOS that would also that is also worthy like of running that yeah. um definitely like high insulin high blood glucose levels is not a diagnostic for PCOS because there are some women um, that have what they call hyperinsulinemia or that ins insulin resistance. And there's some women with PCOS that don't have it. So it's, it's not a diagnostic, but it's definitely seen quite commonly in women with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Uh, also women um, who are overweight, uh, type 1 and type 2 diabetic women, we need to be really mindful of their ability to control their blood glucose and I would run a fasting insulin test again it's a really standard test that GPs run all the time so can you can do it very easily um, on on all women just to get a good understanding because sometimes you think someone's fine and then oh hang on there it is so it is just one of those things I like to just run across the board so we can kind of tick that box and know that we don't have to deal with that side of things women who have type 1 and type 2 diabetes are probably well aware of it because they're educated a fair bit about their HbA1c scores um, and the impact that has on their fertility and their um, children, and they're always encouraged to keep that score low within the fives um, because we know that if it is too high or um, is elevated, it actually can cause um, congenital abnormalities in, in children. And this is because glucose or high blood sugar levels damages egg quality. 
Mm, okay. And we really don't see it. We see it a lot. Oh, yeah, you'll get diabetes down the track. You might get gestational BDs if you eat too much sugar. But no, it actually affects the basics of that DNA right at the egg level. And I'm not just talking about females. It's absolutely an issue for men as well. So if they've got insulin resistance or high blood sugar levels, it's going to be affecting their DNA integrity. So um, having measuring it is in, incredibly important for fertility because it can be one of those factors um, preventing a couple from getting pregnant. Now we've got two elements. There's always two elements um, with these things. So with if we've got insulin resistance or high gl blood glucose levels, however it manifests um, within your body, it, we have the the side where it's affecting the DNA quality of our egg or our sperm. But for women, it can actually cause uterine insulin resistance. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it's, it's really quite interesting. And it so it affects, again, you know, we've talked a lot about endometrial receptivity, actually. It affects the receptivity of that endometrial lining. And if... and Uterine insulin resistance happens if the uterus has been or that uterine lining has been bombarded with high insulin levels for far too long. And then it kind of says, look, I'm sick of you, <laughs> insulin. I'm going to put my walls up. I don't want to listen to you. Um, and it comes very resistant to it. But what we see is that it actually causes the deterioration of the uterine lining and reduces implantation. Um, and so, yeah. Just a simple blood test done first thing in the morning on any day of your cycle can help determine could there be egg quality issues, could there be endometrial receptivity issues. Ah, sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to quickly jump in and express how grateful I am that you're here today. Just to let you know that if you'd like more emotional well-being, resilience and conception tips, to check out my programs and services, you can find me on my website at robinberkin.com or on Instagram at robinberkin. All right, let's get back to it. Someone is listening to this podcast, right? And they get a copy of their blood test. They're like, fuck, there's no DNA fragmentation test. They've just tested TSH levels and they're feeling empowered. They're feeling like they want answers and they go to their fertility specialist and they get laughed out of the room. Like we're not, we don't run, or they know, or they do, you know what mostly I think they get is the blank, we don't run that test. Um, or, you know, that we don't believe in, in that test. So is that what, like, is that something that you come across a lot? And then I guess that's why people go to people like naturopaths and nutritionists because can naturopaths and nutritionists order many of those then tests or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, like I know personally myself, I can order all of these tests. Right. That's not an issue at all. And even you can, there's a lot of companies where you can self-order tests these days. Um, we were talking about ice cream just before. Um, so MTHFI, all your insulin and blood sugars, all your thyroid panels and antibodies, all your inflammatory markers, you can um, order those tests yourself um, mm. if needs be. DNA fragmentation obviously needs to be either 
from most fertility naturopaths would be able to refer for a DNA frag. Um, and depending on how receptive your fertility specialist is, some of them will happily test it, some of them won't. Um, I was been working with a client in Tasmania recently and I'm trying to get a DNA fragmentation for him done and I rang the, the two labs in um, Tasmania saying, do you, can you do a DNA fragmentation for me? And they were just like, no, no, we don't believe that's a very, you know, effective test. <laughs> yeah. like, no, no, even you get that down. They're like, we have to send it to Adelaide or Melbourne or yeah. $100. And I'm just like, how are you treating male fertility in your, in your state? So sorry to the people in Tasmania, but um, yeah. yeah, so it's definitely you need a proper andrology lab for the DNA fragmentation. Mm -hmm. Like I said, most fertility naturopaths be able to run it. Um, and definitely some fertility specialists can. Um, and also I really encourage, and just like what you're um, educating and teaching women about is just being your, your own advocate and just knowing exactly kind of having your list of tests on what needs to be run. And if you're not feeling heard, then make sure you go somewhere else or get a second opinion or go see a fertility naturopath or nutritionist who take a more holistic approach um, at fertility because fertility is no longer just about estrogen, progesterone, ovulating, having sex on the right day. There is so much more involved and we really need to be taking a much broader holistic view um, mm. at what we're testing, what we're looking for and how we're treating it. And it's expensive and it takes a long time. My, you know, an IVF cycle is so expensive and you don't, I think sometimes many fertility warriors will get to the point where they're like, actually, I just want answers now or I want to even just know, even if the answer comes back, that it's great, that I feel like at least I've had another I've turned over this stone and I have the answer on this capacity rather than like sometimes you just want the tests to, to know that it's normal. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I just, I, my heart goes out to anyone out there. And I know there's a lot of you probably listening who have had journeys of multiple IVF cycles or multiple losses, or you've been just, you've been trying to conceive for, you know, like five to even 10 years sometimes feeling like you don't have the answers or feeling like you just keep butting up against the same answers and the same like no's on your journey. Yeah. And it's quite easy, you know, the feedback I get from clients is that they just don't feel heard or don't feel supported. Um, I had a client at the start of the year who came and saw me after having had two miscarriages in nine months and her doctor and the hospital were really reluctant to run any tests for her until she had a third miscarriage. Mm. And one is heartbreaking enough, let alone two, and she just wasn't prepared to face another miscarriage. And she just wanted to have someone who listened and would start taking her seriously and looking into things in a lot more depth. And, and for her, we... Um, we identified for her, she had an empty HFR issue. 
Mm. Um, and so we got her on a different form, a different dose of folate. And then within three months, they fell pregnant and she's now well into her second trimester. Yeah. And going really well. And so it, it is that absolutely just feeling heard and getting someone to actually listen to you and, and say, yeah, right, let's just give this a try. Let's run this test and, mm. and see what comes back um, and, and not kind of being in the dark. And having the strength, I think, as well to continue advocating for yourself and asking those questions because it's hard like it is hard so but you have to keep trying and keep asking the questions you have to be brave enough to go and say right I'm going to explore another modality whether that's a naturopath a nutritionist a dietologist a traditional Chinese medicine practitioner just different set of eyes sometimes and holding that you know like that strength and that courage inside you to say that's like what I'm getting right now I don't feel like that's good enough um there's no question associated with that. Just, you know, like love to everyone out there. So we recurrent loss, and I'm totally with you, one is heartbreaking enough, um, let alone women who, you know, go through multiple losses. You mentioned MTFHR. You mentioned DNA fragmentation. You mentioned inflammation and C-reactive protein. You did also mention autoimmune um do you feel like that's a major in terms of what we're missing with recurrent loss do you feel like that's also a major thing that we're missing yeah we do really need to be assessing autoimmune when there's a history of pregnancy loss with autoimmune disease it's if you've got if you've got an autoimmune disease and they come in so many different forms um that you are at a much higher risk of a first trimester miscarriage. Mm. And if you've got one autoimmune disease, then you're more likely to have more. And women are at a much higher risk of an autoimmune disease than men men because of estrogen plays a little role in that. (laughs) And you can definitely have a healthy pregnancy with an active autoimmune disease, but that autoimmune disease needs to be under control if it's flaring then it's going to be really hostile within that endometrial lining um, and it is going to kind of be working against you so when um yeah so if there is whether it's psoriasis or thyroid antibodies then it's really important that you do look at the potential that there's other uh, there's Mm -hmm. other autoimmune diseases um anti-nuclear antibody Mm -hmm. test is one that i run quite regularly especially if someone comes back with positive uh, thyroid antibodies or if they have had recurrent pregnancy loss um, that's definitely one of the first tests I run. So a lot of I, my impression is that a lot of fertility clinics will tip guys I'm not an expert so if I get the wording wrong is many fertility clinics will only run like anti-phosphaloid antibodies I don't know if that's how we say it yep phospholipid yep 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 I'm just gonna get the word that one that one um and I don't even know if it's the same thing but all natural killer cells so do we need to be testing beyond just those two metrics um well often in reoccurrent miscarriage there is a stock standard list of tests that should be run and ANA is on there along with anti-phospholipid 
um, antibodies along with celiac disease and um, you know other blood clotting issues as well is as a fairly standard is ANA always run no blood clotting issues um, is very commonly run but mm -hmm. ANA is not always in there I think definitely as more and more research is going on into endometrial receptivity because that's a big area at the moment and fertility labs definitely the more progressive fertility labs are now actually being able to do endometrial biopsies to test the NK killer killer cells to test endometrial um, receptivity to test the microbiome of the uterus um, to test for inflammation infections right up into that uterus um, and I think as all that research expands and grows we're starting to see that yes autoimmune diseases do have a big issue impact on um receptivity of the endometrial lining and I think as we dive more in there I think the approach is going to become more and more holistic as mm. we yep. learn more about that. So we've talked today about some of the tests that people might be going like oh we've talked a little bit about if you feel like your fertility you go to your fertility clinic and they're like eh, no that you've got other options available to you in going to see someone from another modality who can run those tests or going and looking for private blood tests that might exist yourself. But can my last question, I guess, to sort of round this off is, cool. So maybe your fertility specialist didn't run DNA fragmentation, for example, because there's nothing they feel that they can really do about it or they were like, man, there's no medication, there's no surgery I can do. So what, what when someone like a naturopath and obviously you can only speak for naturopaths, but when someone like a naturopath then sees some of those things, what's your end of the deal? Like what are you doing on your side? Because obviously like you don't do surgeries. <laughs> so what what do you help people with at your level? At my level? Um, addressing those factors with diet lifestyle nutrition herbal medicine mm -hmm. um and assessing those drivers you know thyroid antibodies dna frags are two very specific tests where the medical fraternity they are wonderful at what they do but they don't have the mechanisms to be able to address or improve those. Um, and from a natural perspective, there is a lot we can do in improving DNA fragmentation, in reducing inflammation, in managing thyroid antibodies. Um, you know, even things like insulin resistance or high blood sugar levels, that comes right down to dietary mm. and lifestyle approach. So, yeah, absolutely, that's, that's where I take it from is diet, lifestyle, nutritionals and herbals to really kind of help reduce what's going on or, um, and, yeah, boost fertility and egg quality and sperm quality. Yeah, so you look at like, okay, what does your typical day on a plate look like? What, what supplements are you taking? Um, and then I see you all the time on your Instagram stories. I love naturopathic herbs um where you're building these concoctions of like I'm gonna add this um, <laughs> add this and so and what do exactly do her like the so it's like a it's like a tonic drink thing that people take so you, like it, I'm, it's like take a shot glass of this a day <laughs> um so what is herbal medicine it's probably my last question for anyone listening so what exactly do these particular herbs 
that naturopaths prescribe do? Well, herbal medicine is the ancient form of drug medicine. This is kind of where all our drugs and medication came from, um, from herbal medicine. But herbs, depending on the herb, they'll have different actions within the body. So there's some herbs that help boost the immune system and strengthen it. There's some herbs that can help increase um, estrogen levels or help increase testosterone levels, herbs that help with liver detoxification so you can balance things a lot better. Um, anti-inflammatory herbs you know turmeric is yeah we all know that one very very well and that's a wonderful anti-inflammatory herb so we yeah so the herbal medicines that you see naturopaths mixing up are made tailored to that particular client for whatever they're going through and we can mix those herbs depending if there's an immune issue a liver detox a hormone um stress those kind of things so it is yeah it is it's almost like it yeah, it's always like a supplement, but like in yeah. a liquid form. Yes, yeah, yeah. And tailored specifically to you and your needs. Yeah, cool. Thank you so much for joining us. So now what, where can people find you? Um, what kind of, yeah, do you have specialties with infertility? Tell everyone who's like, if people are like, I want Jackie to meet with me on Skype and run these tests, tell us about where they can find you and, you know, all of that stuff. Absolutely. So I, my business is 100% online. So all my consults are online. So it doesn't matter where you are. Um, we can still work together. You'll find me at www.jackielampflew.com. And I'm very active on Instagram. So if you've got questions or you want to reach out, just drop me an email. Um, you're more than welcome. Uh, and my passion really in regards to fertility is particularly thyroid antibodies and reoccurrent miscarriage is my passion, but I work with all women, whether it's polycystic ovarian syndrome or um, those women who are focusing on preconception care or have been struggling to fall pregnant for a while, then um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. Um, and I absolutely always feel so honored to be invited along that journey with a couple. And we'll include links to that in the show notes. So are you ready for a speed round? I am, yes. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a quote or affirmation that you love? I am enough is my one. Yes. A book that you recommend everyone reads? Natural Fertility by Francesca Nash. Oh, that's like your starting yes. um, book. And if you had one, like one message that you could scream from the rooftops to everyone, what would it be? Reach out for help. Whether you've been trying for one day or one year, reach out for help and, yep. don't, and don't wait either. Love it. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today and sharing with us some of those tests that people might be missing uh, and what people can do about it. Have a lovely day, everyone. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Thanks again, Jackie. Thank you, Robin. Well, that's another episode in the bag. But before you go, I want to let you know three quick things. Number one, did you know that every time you leave me a review on iTunes, it helps Apple and other podcast players push the podcast out to more listeners? I would be ever so grateful for a review if you think The Fertility Warriors has been helpful for you.
Number two, I'm on Instagram every single day and I'd love to connect and get to know you there where I share a ton more tips and advice. You can find me at Robin Birkin. Number three, we also have a free Facebook group with thousands of the most incredibly supportive, kind and helpful warriors I know. You can search for it on Facebook at Fertility Warriors Support and Chat Group. Well, that's me for this week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you'll be notified when next week's episode drops. I'll catch you then. Bye.